An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. iHeartRadio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up rituals Scrub star Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the iHeart Podcast Network uh, weekly webinar speaker series. This is probably my favorite part of the week where I get to take a 30-minute break and talk to a creator that we are doing business with, that we're making a show with. Today is a pretty cool, special episode for me, I think for a lot of us, because I get to hang out with Scott Pat. Patterson for half hour. First of all, Scott, thank you so much for hanging out with us for half hour. Oh, my pleasure. I was was thrilled to get the invitation. Trust me, it was a big deal in our house. I think a lot of folks know you, Scott, because 20-ish years ago, we were introduced to the character of Luke Danes on Gilmore Girls. You've done a bunch more stuff in your life, but that's probably how a fair amount of us, that's probably our way into you and your background. For iHeartMedia, you launched a podcast with us a few months ago called I Am All In with Scott Patterson. That's a bit of you looking back on the show, but also just sort of you talking about yourself and the world. And I'm going to get to a bunch of different stuff of how Gilmore Girls happened and how you ended up being a huge podcaster on our network and why you're comfortable moving between mediums like that. But in a lot of ways, what I love about these conversations is that I get to go way back to the beginning. You clearly have, among other things in your life, a gene, an instinct, whatever, to create, to storytell, to perform. You were in, I think, a band as a young kid. You obviously are in acting. 
Where did this spark come from? Was it a parent, an uncle, a friend? Where did this come from? How did it start? I don't know. I think it's really from my mother, who I was told, I never saw her perform, but apparently she was a very gifted actress in our local plays and players. I grew up in a small town, a lot like Stars Hollow in southern New Jersey called Haddonfield. And I was the fourth child, and they had already moved to Haddonfield and were got involved in their 20s because they had uh, Barbara, my older sister, when the, my mother was 18 or 19, and my dad was back from World War II, 22 years old. And they moved to Haddonfield, got involved with the local plays and players. And I understand my father was not very good an actor. He couldn't remember any of his lines. He wasn't given very many lines, but my mother was actually considered to be quite good. And I've read reviews and seen photographs of her and they, she had this ability to transform. I'm not saying I inherited any of that, and my sister was heavily involved in academics and academia and teaching and master's, PhDs, that kind of thing, comparative literature, sociology, political science, logic, that kind of thing. And she was a prolific writer as well, very steeped in the arts. I'd stay with her in New York City in the summers when I was growing up with her complete teaching college level boyfriend. And, you know, we'd go around museums, we'd see plays, we'd go to shows, that kind of thing. So it was I was steeped in art and culture and literature growing up. So after I had a baseball career, I naturally sort of gravitated back toward who I really was. I always felt like I was a creative person. I was always creating. And I, I think it comes down to two things, not to get too psychoanalytical, but I think it comes down to the influence of my mother mm -hmm. and also the influence of my father who left. And I think it's, in my case, I didn't want to disappear. I wanted to be visible. And I think that's why I keep creating. I think that's what drives me. And it's, again, not to get too psychological, I think it's not wanting to be invisible. But when you mentioned baseball, you didn't just dabble in baseball. Like no. you were a professional baseball player and for really good teams. I mean, Braves are one of them, right? And, and I'm wondering, that feels like a, a split personality to me. It may not be. You, <laughs> may, you, you may think, well, it's all performance in a way. And maybe that's it. Was it hard to be in baseball for a while and not and not be the quote unquote artistic kid? How did that work? I got to AAA, which is a step below the big leagues in two years, which is very fast. I gained a reputation being a little out there with the baseball crowd, my teammates. I remember the day I went to, we were in Charleston, West Virginia. It was a rainy day. We didn't have a game was called that day for rain. And I went to see Blade Runner and I fell in love with it. And I always loved offbeat film, always loved it. As, as a kid, I just, I just sort of always had this artistic sensibility, this bent. And I told some teammates about it and they went to see it. And they came back and they said, what in the hell was that? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So they, you know, they thought I was a bit odd. But was this, was this something you fought Maybe that's a dramatic way to put it. Was this something that you faced in both worlds? Like in the artistic world, yes. would people look at you and say, well, that's the baseball guy? Misperceptions, correct. Yes. So when I got involved in the acting world, and you know, they would perceive me or sort of judge me like, oh, he was the jock guy who was a yeah. bully and got his way and got all the, you know, this kind of a thing. And I just was 
the polar opposite of that. I left my high school baseball team my junior year because I, the coach was putting too much pressure on me to be the captain as a junior, to be the sort of rah-rah leader type guy, which I was not. I was withdrawn and soft-spoken, and I just loved to play the game. I played the game because it made me feel good. I played the game because I felt at home out there. I enjoyed playing the game. I didn't care about winning. I didn't have that mentality. It was just sort of the grace of the game, just the ballet, the balletic nature of baseball. And it was always an escape for me. So I never saw it. And when, once I got in the pros, then I had to learn how to win and learn how yeah. to want, want to win. And it altered my personality in an adverse way. And I don't regret going into the pros because it gave me the necessary work ethic to succeed in this business, which I didn't have going in. I wasn't a, a hugely a hard worker going into professional sports. Professional sports teaches you, you know, this you have to win, but you have to win consistently. And this is what it takes. So you sort of become this automaton, become this machine. It wasn't good for me to transform into that type of a person that, that wants. And I'm glad I got away from it. And Sandy Koufax was the person who kind of shepherded me into this, back into this world where I belonged. And he knew it and he saw it because he's a very erudite, very sensitive guy. And I was with the Dodgers my last uh, spring training when I decided to retire. And you know, he let me know in no uncertain terms that I was not like these people. <laughs> you know, there's bigger fish to fry on the other side of this. So go ahead and go get what you can get because it's, there's something waiting for you and it isn't this. So. And for young kids or your own kids, tough question maybe, but what would make you prouder if they were a professional athlete or a professional actor or actress? <clears throat> Whatever makes him happy. I have a seven-year-old son. You know, he's he loves robotics. He's fascinated. <laughs> I love how him. it's like the third option. <laughs> right. So it's, he loves to ski. He's not crazy about baseball. And I'm like, thank God. But he loves building things like all little boys do. And he's very artistic and he's really has a math brain. We got him a squishy body, a human body. We made a deal with him. If he reads 10 books, he gets a toy that's more than $20. So we got him the squishy body and he's got his forceps and he's got his tweezers and he's, you know, he's doing, he's just dissecting this cadaver at dinner and he's fascinated with it, the whole thing. He's got a real curious mind and I'm happy to see and, and curious to see where that goes, where that takes it. But he's in robotics camp now. He's loving it. He's building That's SUVs. Cool. He's building wind propelled vehicles and it's just, it's wonderful. That's pretty cool. I think yeah. the proudest moment for me, I, I have four kids, my 16 year old about two days ago said, you know, I think Blade Runner is my, my favorite movie. And I was like, yes. And he was like, I mean, Blade Runner 2049. The original is okay too. And I was like, no. <laughs> AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. 
OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. So Gilmore Girls, how does this happen? I mean, this, this is like, I will completely disclose, I was like actually a super fan of the show. This was Destination Viewing for me. Very honestly, very truthfully, Destination Viewing for me and my now wife. There was something about the show that we almost to an embarrassing extent connected with, but I'm clearly not alone. It, it was- <laughs> No, you're not alone. <laughs> it was a phenomenon and it was unique and different and very special. Right. Let me just start at the beginning though. How does it hit your radar? How does this asteroid come crashing into your world and suddenly you're on a show called Gilmore Girls? What happened? That's a great way to put it. It was just, you know, I was very busy auditioning. There used to be a pilot season. Now it's spread out throughout the year, but it used to be a couple of months season where it was concentrated scripts coming at you, constant auditions. You'd have maybe two, three a day, four a day sometimes. And uh, you're just sort of in this manic kind of preparation mode and you're just rehearsing all the time driving across town and you're doing auditions and you're going to the next one going and that's Gilmore was a particularly good script that is for sure and I remember rehearsing it with my friend Amber quite seriously and went to the audition met Amy 
met uh, Leslie Lincoln Gladder, met Gavin Cologne, met the original casting people in the room. And it was just a guest star uh, in the pilot. It wasn't a series regular. So it wasn't a huge amount of pressure on me. I didn't have to, have to go through the network hoops and the, you know all that, all those levels to get the job. But I just, I don't know. I guess I was just burnt out. I, I kind of had that dumb courage of the truly burnt out. I was just auditioning really well for a couple of years and not getting anything. And I wasn't on the verge of quitting or anything, but it was getting a little frustrated. I was getting a little tired of it and I just didn't care anymore. And I knew that I wasn't going to get the show because it's the quality of the writing. And I thought they're going to go with stars, you know, movie people started occupying a television space. They were taking our real estate man. And it was kind of not the most ideal situation for somebody that didn't have a name or, or wasn't established in the business. So I just went in and, I, you know, I did my thing. You know, I got very good at auditioning and I learned how to flip the psychology in the room without having to try to do it. I just, you just sort of walk in that way. And I had another audition uh, with Carmen Electra. She was playing a fembot. And I was playing her husband. Or, oh, wow. her, and that script wasn't even that bad. It was pretty good, actually. So I know that was the Gilmore thing was at about 2.30 in the afternoon. By the time I got home, after the Carmen Electra thing was 5.30. That was on the west side. It was, you know, Westwood area. And then I, I was in West Hollywood living. And uh, there was a answering machine. I had a message from the agent. You got the job, call me. Oh, wow. And then I knew when we went to Toronto and shot it, I knew it was just a heat check with Lauren, right, to see if I could get a series regular job. So it went very well in Toronto. So my manager's put a lot of pressure on Gavin Pallone to go to the network and get me a six-year deal. Like, because wow. they didn't have the money and like, we're just going to offer you two or four episodes. And we're saying, no, we're not going to do that. And she's such a good manager. She just kept on. I'm like, go to the network. You know, you want them. You know, it's going to work. You know, that's an important element to the show or will be, mm-hmm. or at least you would have the option, but just go get him a deal for God's sake. And, and he did. So at what point did you and the cast and the crew and everyone involved know, like, I'm wondering about the moment before it was actually a hit. Was there a moment where everyone looks at each other on set like, oh boy, this is going to be really, really big. I think it's when, and I do remember this, it was when Variety and The Hollywood Reporter gave it such sterling reviews. I remember reading the review out loud in the makeup trailer to Lauren and Alexis and the other people that were in the makeup trailer. And we were all pretty thrilled. That's, we knew like, because the reviews were so strong, yeah. you don't read reviews that good, but they were talking about a seminal show. And, and, you know, we knew we had something there. We knew we were gonna do at least a five, six year run. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. 
We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Talk about the ability to flip the psychology of a room. Talk to me about that a little bit. What's that? What does that mean? Do you still have that? I probably err too much on the side of not giving it to him. That's a turnoff. But uh, <laughs> I, for young actors or, or actors that are inexperienced going into these rooms, they get a little too, um, oh, they're just a little too happy to be there, a little too friendly, they're a little too chatty. And you know, the thing they don't understand is a lot of these producers in the room or casting people in the room, they're making offers to big names and they're not getting their calls returned or they're the star wants too much money. And they're a little, you know, they're not happy. It's not that they're not happy with you. Right. They're not happy because they're not getting anywhere because they're telling they've got to tell the executive producer, Brad Pitt passed. He wants 20 million or this or that or that. Right. And then you walk in and you're like, hi. And if you're too open and too nice and too this, they're just going to roll their eyes. Like oh, that. interesting. So what's worked for me is if I just don't do that and I walk in, I do the character. And I think that the best technique that I've deployed on these situations in these rooms is I walk in and I say, I'm going to need a minute. And I turn around and I prepare. And wow. I take a good minute to do it. And then I turn around and I say, I'm ready. So they and know that there's somebody in the room like this is a serious person. He's not kissing our ass. He's here to work. 
Right, right, got it. And he's here to nail something. And that gets people's attention. It gets them off of their Brad Pitt's not calling back. And the agents are pissing me off over here. And ICM and CAA and all this stuff. And then here's Scott. Deal with me. How do you get their attention, their full attention to deal with you? That's how you got to just take the room over. It's interesting because this is one of those shows that has gone from, like I said, I used the word destination viewing and it was for me, but it's now part of this new streaming revolution in the world. And I wonder as someone who's been through this, I guess, firsthand and now has a podcast that's in part about it, a hit huge podcast that's in part about this, looking back on something that has a, a second life, if you will, on a streaming platform. How do you I don't know, digest these two ways for fans to access content. One is destination viewing once a week. The new episode is out there and it's a big deal and everyone's watching at the same time. The new world where it's all sort of binge viewing. Does it change the way you think about your art, your shows, the stuff you put out there? No, not in the least. And I think that's the trap that people fall into. I think, listen, the greater access people have the less money they pay to gain access to this is always going to be good for the quote unquote show, the property, because the longer life it has, the more opportunities that the studio or the network have to monetize it, the more time they have, the more time they have to do studies on trends and do their demographics and what they need to do. But the content itself And the reason I think Gilmore has stood the test of time and keeps growing in popularity through the generations, no matter how it's delivered, what level of technology is delivering it, is because it's the antidote to technology. The very soul of the show is opposed to technology. It's looking back at a world that a lot of people don't think exists anymore, but actually does in a lot of places, in a lot of countries. So the people that actually live in these types of towns that Stars Hollow represents are familiar with that and they gravitate towards the show. The people that live in maybe a little more of an urban environment that aren't familiar with that, they gravitate to the show because it's wish fulfillment. Also, every single character in this show, if you think about it, it's aspirational. Every single character has a goal. They're not layabouts. These people want things. Lorelai wants to become an entrepreneur in the in the hotel space. Even Kirk, he's constantly changing jobs. Uh, Taylor has a mission. Miss Patty has a mission. Everybody has a mission. Mm-hmm. You know, Luke seems to be the only one that doesn't have really big dreams other than romantic dreams with Lorelai. And this is all, so every single character is identified with a fairly big, very relatable, globally relatable, transcending any kind of uh, language barriers or borders, aspirations. So also, I think nothing bad can happen in the show. It's a very safe, warm, funny, endearing place. It does get a little intense at times, but as bad as it gets in Gilmore is, is, is the best that it gets in other most other places. I mean, a little a little argument here and there. So, I mean, you know, people raise their voices once in a while. So it doesn't cost you much emotionally to invest in a show like that. And yeah. I think people keep coming back to it and back to it for a lot of different reasons, not the least of which is maybe because this people are speaking so fast and they miss a lot of it. And they miss a lot of the references. They, well, we better see it again just, just to, to get the second part of this. So it's got a lot going for it. And, you know, it's just a global celebration of uh, what was, what should be, what is, and with all the aspirational characters and all those zany characters. And I think it's more real than people realize. I don't think these people are so oddball that they don't exist. They do exist. 
it's a wonderful little fantasy snow globe of a town with kind of real characters. That's a great way to put it. I mean, mm. you, you certainly came back to it. You came back to it in podcasting. I want to close on asking you a, a sort of a couple questions about podcasting. We at iHeart clearly love this medium. We've invested heavily in it. We're a big, the biggest podcast network in the country, but beyond just us, this medium has exploded. You have 120 million Americans a month now listening to podcasts. What was it like for you? Why did you choose podcasting to tell these stories and to revisit this part of your life? What, what about the medium have you sort of loved even more than you might've thought you would have? Just talk to me a little bit about that. Well, this was a, uh, a pandemic inspired idea. Not terribly original, but when I conceived it in my media room in the midst of the pandemic, I thought, oh, nobody's doing this. What I didn't realize that everybody was doing this. <laughs> so I called Amy and I said, I have this, don't tell anyone, I have this great idea. <laughs> this is truly original. It'll, it'll change the game. It'll redefine, everybody will redefine their terms. <laughs> she goes, yeah, okay, I'll take that to, yeah, we could do this, we could do, and I had all these ideas about how to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, I, it was just I don't know it was very funny and she says yeah okay yeah that sounds good I'll take it I to love it. you probably finished the pitch with, and we'll call it a podcast <laughs> <laughs> I've invented the term oh my god oh so funny I've never been ahead of the curve but on this one, at least I got in the middle of the wave before it broke right on <laughs> <laughs> top of me. That's all the obituary is going to be. in the middle of the wave. <laughs> now, my obituary is going to be, uh, he died with $5,000 less than he should have had. So <laughs> I think that's appropriate way to go. <laughs> but, that, but that's a whole other half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so really the inspiration was, okay. I have to make money. And I've tried so many different things to own my own content, writing screenplays for films, writing screenplays for TV, doing all kinds of things. And I want to be an owner. I like being an owner. I like participating and having that great parts. I never thought it would come in this form, but it has. And it's been really shocking to me and a very pleasant surprise. But uh, I just thought, that, you know, the whole impetus was to get content to the fan base because they're not getting any content. They're just not, I mean, they're re-watching the show so much. I mean, it's in the background in everybody's house all day. Guys are coming up to me all the time, no matter where I am. They're like, dude, I feel like you live with us. You know, I'm like hanging out with you all day, all night. My wife, my girlfriend, my mom won't stop watching the show. So I thought, you know, these, I don't know if Netflix and Warner Brothers are going to get together and make them better deal, another deal or another iteration. I just thought we can't wait and we have to get the fans some content. And I thought this is this will be a smart way to do it. I've never seen the show. So that's what I pitched to Amy. I said, I'll watch the show. Okay. And it's a rewatch show, but I've never seen the episode. So there's your twist. You've never seen the show? You had never? Uh, wow. I saw the pilot because I was curious. Was that a choice? I don't want to watch this. I just want to be in it. I don't want to watch myself. I'm very uncomfortable. It's not a good, it's not a good day for me to watch myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get very disturbed by it. But I did, and I was forced to watch, uh, at the Netflix premiere, we had to watch Winter. And I was really pleasantly surprised by how good that was. But those are the only two episodes I've seen. 
Wow. So there was all the, you know, 156, 157 uh, hours of uh, plus of content that we could go over and analyze and have fun with and get it out to the fans. So I thought perfect, perfect way to do it. Well, hopefully now that you've seen it, you agree. I love the show. I love the podcast as much, if not more in some moments. So listen, uh, Scott, it's been a delight to hang out with you and talk to you. On behalf of iHeart, thank you so much for partnering with us on this. It's been a real pleasure to work with you on this podcast. I think it's been awesome. So I appreciate it. Kyle, I consider this a real honor to be in partnership with uh, iHeart. And you guys are the best pros that I have dealt with. I mean, it's just really fantastic experience all the way around. I appreciate it. Everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We will see you next week for another session. Everybody be well, take care. Thank you. Conversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today.